Grumpo Trapper. Fucking moratorium on Grumpo. We're not talking about Grumpo anymore. Grumpo's love is real. What? Sure, Grumpo's love is real. Why not? I'm not doing it. Talking about Trapo. <laughs> Shit, I really forgot. You said Grumpo so many times. I'm thinking Grumpo's the name of the show. The town. F-Boy of... and Grumpo? Oh, yeah, F-Boy Island. It's Grumpo Island. <laughs> We're going to Grumpo Island. Uh, F-Boy and Grumpo. I'm going to cut that part out. Welcome to Trapo. It's the, uh, cut that part out. I'm going to cut it all out. Welcome to Trapo. <laughs> Dear listeners, is it listener or listeners? Which is it? I like to assume we have more than one listener. I don't know anymore. Yeah, but... maybe only one is listening at a time. They all share one phone and have to, have to swap <laughs> around. There's only one file of each episode, and they got to <laughs> download it separately. No, the whole Grumpo crew lives in one house, and they have to share the phone. <laughs> Welcome. What is it? Welcome to Trapo. It's a show. <laughs> it's a show that talks about stuff on purpose. I'm Dustin. I'm Kai. And uh, today we're going to mix it up. We're not just going to do one thing today. We're going to do uh, two things. That's right. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What just happened? <laughs> we can do two things. Sometimes we do an album exchange. Sometimes we talk about a movie. Today, you know what we're going to do? That's right. It's not an album exchange. It's an EP exchange, which is even more exciting because we've only done that one other time. Once a season. Once a season, we'll do an EP exchange because there just aren't enough good EPs out there. That's true. Most EPs are hot garbage. They're the worst things you've ever heard. <laughs> They're not. No, Kai, you know what? This is true. EPs are the worst. They're awful. I listen to the good extended plays or whatever the fuck EP stands for. Why does EP stand for extended play when they're shorter? I don't know. I don't get that at all. EP sounds like it should be longer than an, than an LP. Oh, is it a long play? No, it's an extended play. Holy shit, is it like a 13-inch... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's extended. The long play is like an 8-inch... The EP is like a 13-inch. That's like John Holmes coming at you. He was in Dracula Sucks, by the way. It's a good movie. It's a Dracula porn. I had assumed. It's actually pretty good. It's got some good moody atmosphere to it. It's weird. You wouldn't expect that. This is back in the day when porn movies were made on film. People who made them gave a shit about what they were making. That's not Trapo. It should be. It could it, be. It could be. I don't watch porn, but sometimes when a movie comes around called Dracula Sucks, I'm like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta take one for the team. Anyway, I guess today, what are we talking about? I'm Dustin. <laughs> I'm high. I'm fucking hammered. <laughs> We're doing a show right now. We're doing Trapo. We got some stuff going down in Trapo Town tonight. Sometimes we do an album exchange. We talk about some music. Sometimes we talk about a movie. Today, we're talking about both. That's right. Oh. It's happening. But before we get started, we're going to do a little thing we call the exchange. And we're going to give you some suggestions of things that we've uh, come across that you might want to check out. I'm going to go first. So fucking deal with it. I have an album to suggest by a Grammy award-winning composer Carolyn Shaw, along with the Attica String Quartet called Evergreen. It's just kind of a weird, interesting collection of songs, five original works by Carolyn Shaw, an interpretation of a 12th century French poem with the String Quartet and Shaw on vocals. It's just interesting, and I uh, I like it. You should check it out. I never heard of this before. It's very exciting. Is this something I can find? Like, yeah. just like out, Is it out there? Yeah. What kind of exchange you got for me, brah? I read a book by an author named Catherine J. Chen with a K. Catherine with a K. She wrote a book called 
Joan. It's a very well-researched, new modern kind of retelling of the story. I mean, I don't want to say modern. Oh, they reinvented the story of Joan of Arc for the modern day. No, no, it's still a period piece, but it's written through a modern lens. It's fucking amazing. It's a great book. It's got a lot going on. It's a secular book. It's not written from a religious perspective. So it's a story about Joan of Arc as a secular character, a human being, a real fucking human being, which is what she was. I really like it. I was fascinated by the story. The end papers feature a map. You can just flip open to the map when you're reading the book and you know exactly where the characters are. I always appreciate that in a book when it's got a map in the mm-hmm. end papers. It makes me happy. So yeah, Catherine J. Chen wrote a book called Joan by Joan of Arc. I would recommend everybody read it because it's great. It's good stuff. I don't know how to critique a book that's really good. Oh man, it's good. It's real good. It's good. The good writing's good. That's it. That's all I got. It's good. It's a really I like good the book. Way the- paper smells got maps in the end papers i fucking i love it read joan by Catherine j chen Catherine with a k it's good anyway i guess that's the end of the exchange this week whatever (laughs) 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 we gotta move on to part two of our three-part whatever We got music for days. Do you need to go first? I don't remember who the, what the fuck I, I told you to listen to, so I got to figure that shit out while you're talking. <laughs> I'm keeping it together. Don't worry about me. We're going to start our EP exchange this evening. All right. All right. The EP I'm bringing, four-track, 14-minute little ditty from 2021 by artist Gabriels, and the EP is called Bloodline. Bloodline. This thing came. Gabriel's is uh, three people. The two guys who are also the producers of the music, Ari Beluzia and Ryan Hope. Ari is a classically trained musician and artist who has also been doing soundtracks and orchestrating soundtracks. And uh, Ryan Hope is a film director. The singer is Jacob Lusk choir director, gospel singer, famously ended up, I think, seventh place on the 2011 American Idol. Is that true? Holy shit. Yeah. I probably watched that season. How the fuck do I not remember him? He was like 23 when he Mm. was on. If you got the top 10 of any American Idol season, you're a pretty fucking good singer. Yeah. Hit these crazy giant notes. He's not trained to lead like a choir, but he just knows how to be like, okay, you guys do this, you guys do this. Yep, there we go. He can get everyone together and make them hit some fucking notes. You mentioned that Gabriel's is actually three people. How much input does the singer have in regards to the actual composition of the music and the lyrics and everything? I don't. I honestly don't know. I didn't look this up, um, so I'm asking he, you. He is the writer of all of the lyrics also. I didn't um, know he was so, just the hired hand who came along and actually sang the songs. Um, I didn't know. So that's actually how they met. The one guy, I think, was scoring the other guy's film, and they were working together making the... The soundtrack and they needed someone for like a choir gospel kind of part and the three of them hung out and they just immediately clicked became pretty good friends i actually heard jacob lusk on a podcast uh talking about how he had met them and how he had got to american idol it was kind of interesting he uh passed the initial uh, auditions and whatever and they're like okay you're going to hollywood week but you have these tickets you got to clear these tickets up or they won't let you go to hollywood week like if you have a bench warrant because you didn't pay a ticket they will make you go pay that 23 year old from compton is like who the fuck do i know who has two thousand dollars or 1500 bucks to fucking pay this nobody so 
he said he basically went to the courthouse, acted fucking crazy, and was like, I want to turn myself in. Because he understood that if, if you go to jail for your crime, you'll pay your time and then you won't have to pay the fee. And so he went there and basically annoyed them until they arrested him. He got lost in the system. No one knew where he was for three days. He sat in the fucking jail in L.A. County. <laughs> That's a horror story right no, there. He, he disappeared for a weekend before someone finally figured out and he went before the judge and the judge was like, you were what? You've paid your time. Your, your fees are all dismissed. You're good. And then he got to go on to Hollywood Week and ended up going all the way to fucking seventh place. So the cover of Bloodline is actually a painting of his TMZ mugshot from when he was arrested in 2010. That was a very particular image. I didn't know where it came from. Like, that has to be something, right? Yeah. Do you know where the name Gabriels comes from? I don't remember them saying that. I don't think so. Because it's the Gabriels. Okay. Uh-huh. It, yeah, it's multiple Gabriels. Is it three Gabriels? Weird. And none of them are named Gabriel. Yeah, Even that's, more confused. That's confused me because you, you rattled off three names and I'm like none of those names are gabriel what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah, which one's gabriel they all are i don't know that's basically jacob lust jumped the train didn't have a ticket but he was like if you've ever ridden the purple train goes from like compton to uh i don't remember where he said but he's like half the people on that train don't have tickets oddly enough after i finally got out of jail guess what i had to hop the train to get home because i didn't have any fucking money <laughs> so i had to hop the purple line to get <laughs> but I, I ended up uh, ended up making it to Hollywood Week, and it worked out pretty well. I looked up some of the performances. He sang like "This House Is Not a Home." Steven Tyler accosted him on stage after one of his performances. I don't want to know what that means. He just ran down there and started hugging him, and put his arm around him, <laughs> and then he made some like what he what touched his. Dick. Well, there's a reason why Steven Tyler didn't last long on American Idol, because this motherfucker had no filters, so... And I mean, half of it wasn't, from what I remember, like, bad, but it was like, eh, I would say that on TV, just because yeah, yeah, someone I, I, might... He made a yeah. fucking album all about blues standards called Honkin' on Bobo. The motherfucker loves blues. He's just not... He's just white. He's just too white. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay, we got Gabriel's established. You're on the name established. Why are you called Gabriel's, motherfucker? So yeah, this is their second EP. The first one is called uh, Love and Hate at Different Times. I didn't know that either. I thought um, this was their first EP. Wow. What was released by the studio as an EP is actually two demos and two finished songs and the studio was like these are great we're putting them out you know these guys all have like probably full-time jobs and the dude was probably producing a movie and shit they're like well we'll make some more stuff you just gotta give it they're like nah we'll put it out let us finish the demos first and then we can release them yeah oh no no this is good enough can we polish the demos please when people know who you are and you have a little clout yeah but when you're just trying to get your name out there and some big studio heads like we're putting it out kid that's all right "Uh, okay but just to be clear that's not the music on bloodline because that shit is polished as hell yeah one of the demos from their first ep is on their full length album which just came out two weeks ago called angels and queens i'll give it a shot elton john called one of the tracks on their first one one of the most seminal records i've heard in the last 10 years that was a good impression by the way i'm gonna keep that bloodline starts with the song innocence and it's kind of this weird sparse atmospheric room with some big giant drums Couldn't say I was blind Couldn't say I didn't know 
sparse, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the sparse is not the word I would use. This is, this is no. big band shit. I love it. Yeah. If you had told me, hey, I've got this EP, and they ripped it off a wax cylinder from 1923 and remastered it and played yeah. this, I probably would be like, wow, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Uh, I mean, there's some synth yeah. work in there that gives yeah. it away. <laughs> yeah. But aside yeah. from that. Especially like Innocence, which just has like some timpani and some strings and, and a little bit of uh, horned instruments in there. Yeah, there's like all of that stuff very very well could have been done almost a hundred years ago the way jacob lust's voice is kind of like it's cab yeah. calloway if all you know is cab calloway from the blues brothers that's one thing but if you listen to cab calloway's recorded work this motherfucker is channeling cab calloway it's beautiful shit yeah kind of dark sinister chill kind of vibe going on and then he just comes in couldn't say and then he fills the fucking room the second his voice blasts in there couldn't say i was innocent those strings come in you hear that fucking horn start blasting and like holy shit somebody knows what they're doing i think having made orchestrations for movies taking that and just putting jacob lust's crazy powerful voice that's the movie going on yeah and you put the music in the background the voice like that and he's got these cool weird ass lyrics yeah we can do this the lyrics are kind of sometimes weird and mysterious but they make you feel things sometimes they make you feel a little sexy but mostly in this album it's like kind of feel dark and ashamed and discomfort fucking sad definitely depressed it's just fucking interesting powerful music did you have a favorite <laughs> the first track is probably my favorite it's a great introduction i mean if i have a real issue with the music at all it's in the stranger the stranger is fine but the first minute of it is a completely different song as we remember hopes and dreams being loved ain't what it seems if i die i'll live again to hear that song more you have that great verse that perfect verse if i die i'll live again tell my one and only friend you were with me till the end come what may we'll meet again like that's fucking amazing and then it turns into a song about you fuck somebody and then the relationship yeah. ended what what the fuck yeah. well, i'm not gonna say that song is bad because the song is good the first minute of that song is a completely different fucking thing it's like they had a sketch for one good song i just folded it into another song they already had come on guys come on 70s r&b yeah first uh, time i was inside uh, you i knew this would end bad Just like oh i get it yeah first time i was inside you i knew this shit would all be bad It's okay, good. It's like, oh, okay, I'm there. But that has nothing to do with the first minute of this song. It's so good, and it's so well-structured. Until you get to Stranger, it's like, okay, Stranger starts yeah. off as one great song, and then just immediately pivots to something else entirely. Like, what the fuck just happened? But the orchestration is immaculate. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. I just have a problem with how the song transforms itself after its first minute. Like, you didn't need to do that. Either write a new beginning to this song, make another song, Oh, all right. all right. I'll roll with it. I just wish it had been about one thing or the other. The the last song, Bloodline, has another hint of that. The way he enunciates the words, like someone singing a song, like a 40s blues song. Riding to clean the floors 
forget you, boy. Sweet as candy rain. Ain't had to work no days. Paid with her fears, but every bill got paid. Even beauty fades away. Whatever it is, it's in black and white. There's some dapper looking dude dancing around. That song just made me feel like it's in the blood. This thing came before you. It's not your fault. You're fucked. It's big. It's brassy. There's stuff happening. I like it. I'm I'm with you that if they made an album like the first song, Innocence, whole album was like that. I'd be telling everyone I knew to fucking listen to that, be annoying and not shutting the fuck up about it. But like I said, their their new album leans more towards the 70s R&B feel. But there's also some other cool, weird shit mixed in there. The first time I was disappointed. The second time I was like, oh, it's okay. It's just it's <laughs> not what I wanted it to really? be. <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll always have bloodline we listened to bloodline by gabriel's not one gabriel in the bunch still don't know what gabriel's means why are there so many gabriel's why not the gabriel's or the gabes the gamesters the game meisters well we've just listened to bloodline from the game meisters here on ktrp the whole hour Gabriel's by the land the, the, the land the land sharks the land sharks with gabriel's it's a real i don't know if they made it deliberately as a throwback it's got that old school feel to it definitely i would like to nominate bloodline by gabriel's for the trapo essentials canon because i think this shit is the tits and it belongs there yeah fuck it put in the canon all right billy bones i'm like billy bones put in the canon (laughs) good job all right we did it we'll give you a pat on the back and a thumbs up you get a pat on the back and and a hearty handshake from a pervert cloud apparently (laughs) <laughs> from the pervert clown you don't want the pervert clown to shake your hand you can't wash off that shit but you're in the canon which means aliens are gonna do after your music soon they're feeling them lighters i can't stress that enough to you gabriel's or anyone who may be listening aliens are gonna do after this music because we're blasting it off you understand <laughs> and they're gonna blast it off and they're gonna get blasted off new constellations in the space in space in the space <laughs> new constellations in the space in the spaces that's gross what is that <laughs> glitters like diamonds in the night sky somebody must have found the chapel essentials cannon that's fucked up anyway that's wonderful you're in the canon gabriel's all three of you maybe one day you'll tell us your secrets until then we gotta move on because you know we, we got a this is a double feature that means we got more we got more there's more to come ladies and jelly spoons <laughs> And what do I mean by more? Well, this is an EP exchange, right? Yeah, that means it's your turn. What you got? There's there's another EP on the way. It was on the back burner, but now I'm putting it on the front burner because uh, it's ready to be uh, served up. This is an EP exchange, right, Kai? That's the thing. That's the conceit. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, CIA. Not the Central Intelligence Agency. Don't want to think you're going to get put on a watch list. Oh, you are. Anyways, oh, yeah, right. I mean, for listening to this podcast, it has nothing to do with this musical selection. Chapel is not a <laughs> okay? I don't want to put that out there. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. He's only ever been a person of interest. He's never been convicted of anything. After... <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're talking about uh, the cia the band it's paranoia right yeah you think about somebody watching you being followed it, it's all about paranoia and fear and resentment and, you know so yeah the name fits weirdly enough if you don't think about it you're like well, it's CIA. but if you think about it oh <laughs> 
EP. It's 10 tracks, but it's 22 minutes long. This shit cooks. So it's an EP, not an album. Yeah. This was released at the tail end of 2018. Somehow the sixth album that Ty Siegel released that year, which is insane. He put six albums out in one year. But the whole thing about the CIA, it's a collaboration with Ty Siegel and his wife, Danae. Danae is primarily a photographer and a visual artist. Music is not her first love, but this shit is just, they got a drum machine. They got distortion. They got screaming and wailing. I just think there's something weird about this music that I can't quite put my finger on. There's a quality to it. There's definitely punk. I've heard the term hyperpunk used to describe some of the music here. I've never heard the term. It sounds great. Hyperpunk. What what the fuck is that? Apparently it's this. All the while this lady's just fucking screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah, that's the best part, man. She's not a classically trained singer and she's not trying to be. Most of the time she's not even singing. She's yelling at you. It almost sounds like you're being berated. And for some people that's a Fetish, you know. I can see that turn a few people on. Yeah. You know somebody's doing that, guy. You know they are. Uh-huh. They're out there. I'm cutting that part up. <laughs> but you know it's true. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not true. The first thing that grabbed me about this music was the drum machine. It makes the music almost sound dated. It gives it a quality that just standard percussion couldn't give it. You don't even get like a guitar. It doesn't even sound like a guitar. It just sounds like an instrument is in pain. waterboarding the guitar oh this is just like normal shit happening like no they're like somebody's working some aggression out here lo-fi instrumentation sounds like it's being recorded on like a cassette tape it sounds so rough danae siegel just wailing into a fucking microphone and she goes high pitch she screams at times and is like shit she does not turn away from that microphone when she does it yeah if she's not screaming she's talking loudly with intent right at you right at you <laughs> That's the kind of cool thing about both these EPs is they're definitely very inspired by another time. You could almost convince someone, hey, this was like a mid-80s punk scene thing and played it for him. And if it was just a little less refined and a little more fuzzy and scratchy, like if you put it onto a cassette and then played it, it'd be pretty believable. If you could somehow transplant the CIA into New York in like 1983. Opening for the bad brains. They could be playing Max's Kansas City. And it would work. I wanted to read a quote from a press release from the CIA. An encapsulation, the omnipresent fear and anger of today. There's difficulty, frustration, strain, and a large snake. (laughs) You can feel the pressure of it breathing on the streets, in media, and in your lunch. That's the quote. I just think that's nuts. I love it. There's a quality to the delivery of Danae Siegel's vocals just throughout. It's very corrosive. That's a word that I think is perfectly apt. It's very visceral. I guess I wish that there was a camera in the recording studio at the time when they were laying down some of these tracks because I want to see how she delivered this. There's nothing in here that I don't like. Look, I mean, obviously when you get to fear, you got the little dune homage in there. I 
didn't expect that. I didn't expect a Dune homage right off the bat. But no, they gave it to me, and that made me happy. I guess I'm an easy mark, maybe. You don't get enough Dune references in music, I don't think. <laughs> True. But the music's great. I don't know if I could pick a, if I had a favorite. I mean, I like, I think Powers, I mean, that's the centerpiece of the album. Instead of remorse, be it solace that you seek, be it strength through resistance, power through peace. I like it because it's so overwrought. It's definitely a little over the top there. Power! Just for a second, it reminded me of Palpatine. Blast Mace Windu out of fucking window. Blasting him out of, out of the <laughs> tower. He's done. <laughs> Never saw that motherfucker again. He went away. I, uh, I think you and me were the only ones laughing hysterically in the theater. <laughs> because it was funny. It was fucking stupid and hilarious. I, I guess if I had to, if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Sedition. Because I was like, going to say it was, it's going to be Sedition. Yeah, Sedition is one of the most aggressive tracks. Yeah, yeah. Just it's... in terms of of her lyrical delivery, she's just yelling at you for a minute. If you actually listen to the lyrics, it's so fucking macabre. Leaders turned the liquid, flush him down the toilet. Georgia burned my cousin. He baked him in the oven. Took his love of living and replaced it with an aspirin. What are you talking about? If baby doesn't listen, he's gonna get a beating. I I oh shit what's going down i don't know, I know but i fucking love it just get the fuck out her way what i like about pleasure seeker is that it's about sex but it's not about unhealthy sex the world sucks let's fuck to forget about that for a while the sex is the escape mm-hmm. which i like literally the first line of the song nothing much in this world to live for i think i know how we can waste some time Ironically, Pleasure Seeker is the one that could be played on the radio. Just reading the title, it's not what I thought was going to happen. Technically, it's radio friendly, but you're not going to hear it on the radio. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you, you hear some pretty raunchy shit on the radio these days. Yeah. I think the fact the music is from the CIA is going to keep it off the radio. They got it going on, like Stacy's mom. Leave her out of this. But yeah, we got good stuff happening. The CIA from the CIA. Not to be confused with the 1985 album, The CIA by the CIA. I don't trust the CIA. I hope my child don't come up that way. It's 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 not not very good. If you've come across that one, don't waste your time. That might get you on my list. I don't know. This music's all about anger and rage and resentment and fear. It's all there. I mean, they don't trust the CIA. They don't trust the FBI. They don't trust the police. They don't trust the, the mayor. They don't trust anybody. 
None of them. Because everybody's out to get them. This is the kind of music that when it has a message, it's kind of punching you in the face with it, but it's not a bad thing. It's just saying shit to you. It's got a big brain behind it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the CIA. Uh, I think it's great. 22 minutes of fuck you. I want to put it in the cannon. In the cannon? I'll punch you in the dick. (laughs) I'll have Glenn Danzig punch you in the dick. He lives in Burbank. He's close. I'll meet him halfway. He's a cat person, too, so... You guys can get along. You want to pet my cat? I gotta punch you in the dick first, bro. You don't have a silver cod piece? Uh. This is in case a werewolf tries to bite my dick off. (laughs) And he means it. He means it. (laughs) Yeah. And he's very serious about this. What's so funny about lycanthropy, man? You ever met a werewolf? Stop talking about Glenn Danzig. It's happening again. It happened again. All right. Well, you want the CIA's the CIA in the fucking canon. I think I'm mostly okay with this. You're mostly okay with it. Wonderful. With a ringing endorsement. You know, the CIA by the CIA is in the Trapo Essentials canon. We did it. Okay, so the CIA by the CIA is in the Trapo Essentials canon. Aliens are going to listen to it. They're going to have a good time. are going to smash each other's heads into the walls. We did something else, and we have no other outlet to talk about it. We can't make a full episode about it because there's just not enough to say about it, which isn't a, it's not a bad thing. That's not a sign of the quality of the thing. It's just the truth. We decide, fuck it. Let's just talk about that at the end of this. This is the double feature. The first feature was the EP exchange. The, the second feature, the movie discussion, right? A little, a little yeah. movie talk. We're going to talk about a movie that uh, I don't know if... I know some people have heard of it. Kind of a big deal in certain circles. Mythical, a bit. My- my- mythical. It's a little motion picture. I mean, a lot of people know it by its unofficial title, The Japanese Evil Dead. But its official title is... <laughs> which uh, is a title that no movie could live up to. I don't know. It kind of lives up to it. It gets close. I I guess the part it doesn't live up to is the in hell part. He's always very clearly in his house. I mean, it's like a personal hell. Yeah, it's not a pleasant journey. He's in a basement for like five minutes. It's like hell. (laughs) You're in a basement right now. I am. It's an air conditioned hell. There's a pool table, cracks on the ceiling. Great. It's a wonderful place. I feel like I'm in hell. Anyway, uh, Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell was uh, written and directed by Shinichi Fukazawa who also stars as uh, our main character, Shini, I believe his name is. That's just what people probably call him in real life, Shini. Also so stars a... as his own father. Right, oh yeah, he stars as Shini and Shini's father in the film's prologue, which gets the whole ball rolling. His father is involved in a relationship with, a, what, let's call her an unstable young woman, who doesn't like the idea that he's going to leave her for another woman. She pulls out the chef's knife. She wants to die, and she wants him to die too. And uh, things don't go well, not for her. She tries to stab him he ends up stabbing her he takes her out she's done sort of an accident she's coming at him he right he yeah grabs the knife and i guess she stabs him once and then pulls the knife back and yeah. then when she comes at him the second time is when he's like no we're we're done here and then the old man just wedges up the floorboard and, and buries her in the house here's the thing he doesn't dig a hole he literally just puts her fucking corpse under the floorboards yeah. and apparently just moves out yeah but the, the most important part I, I believe is you said that the death was an accident the initial wound was an accident but after he puts her in this hole she gets up 
She's not dead yet. He thought she was dead. She's still alive. And he makes the conscious decision at this point to finish her off. Instead of trying to save her life, I'll take you to the hospital. No, no, he just he, he just finishes her off and then puts the floor back on top of her. So yeah, he makes the conscious choice to kill her at the end of that prologue. So he's, his hands are far from clean. But then we reach the modern day, the contemporary. It's not. Was it like 30 years later? I believe it takes place in the year it was filmed, which is 1995. Oshini, is, uh, he's a bodybuilder. He's not doing much. It's kind of confusing at first because you see this guy. This thing happens. He puts her in the ground. And then it cuts to the same guy. The same just guy. Just li- lifting weights with a different outfit on 30 years later so instantly i thought well damn he looks good for 30 years later something's going on this is that guy's son we don't establish that immediately which makes yeah it that a comes confusing. out a little it doesn't take long it's a few more minutes from yeah. from here but but there's a few minutes where i was like wait he's actually ripped 30 yep. years later it's gotta be like 60 he looks good oh wait no no it's his son at this point both of his parents are dead they make a point of telling you the audience that both of his parents are dead he's between jobs which is something that his uh ex-girlfriend mika she takes notice of this she's like wait so you're not doing anything right now no i'm mostly just working out i don't i don't know what that means he takes good care of himself you know he's kind of a health freak he doesn't like her smoking tells her she should quit because every cigarette she smokes removes like 75 milligrams of vitamin c it's very specific that line uh-huh. was, oh is that true that's a weirdly specific thing to say i don't i fuck i don't know it's one of those things that i was just assuming they may also at this time make a specific point to show a bunch of men's health muscle magazines laying yeah. around so i imagine like before joe rogan this was how you got headline info and tried to sound smart about this shit he was like trying to sound smart to her and she was like you have no idea what the fuck you just said do you <laughs> <laughs> no probably not oh wait no she didn't light the cigarette because she didn't have a lighter which i think is it's also funny someone who smokes doesn't have a lighter i mean it happens yeah right she it asks, happened to me she when, I, when I smoke i can't really take clips from the movie and put them in the episode because it's all in japanese and, it, and i mean i can't visualize oh, yeah. subtitles you know oh yeah another reason this will be an extra short i guess her job is she's technically a photojournalist currently researching paranormal activity she she visits shinny because she wants him to uh take her to the house that his late father owned because she thinks the place is haunted she'll take some pictures see if some ghosts appear after she develops them she brings a psychic along because the psychic can channel the dead all this happens in the course of like five minutes the movie wastes no time getting (laughs) to where it needs to go it's an hour and like four minutes long it does not have the time to fuck around i think with the credits it was like 68 minutes long (laughs) yeah this shit books so we have the prologue which establishes hey there could be an evil fucking ghost hanging out in this house the thing uh we forgot to mention in the prologue as the crazy lady is dying it shows her necklace her necklace, and it, yes. and it slurps up a bunch of blood. It absorbs blood, and, and then he picks it up and throws it under the house with her. It doesn't come into really any import at all. <laughs> It has a, it has a small role. But they don't like destroy. Oh, maybe that's that's right. That's why she reappears at the end because the necklace is still there. Maybe right. The necklace is just another one of the plot points from the Evil Dead trilogy. Mm-hmm. Ash has a necklace he wants to give to Linda. It becomes a plot point in Evil Dead too because after Ash is possessed, he finds the necklace when he's possessed, and the mm-hmm. necklace reminds him of his humanity, and he's able to overcome the possession. That's why the necklace exists in this movie. Evil Dead movies had a necklace. This movie's gonna have. A 
the necklace. It's not used in the same manner. Another one of the things about this movie that I, I appreciate. It's very clearly inspired by the Evil Dead trilogy, but it's not a direct ripoff of any of the films. It kind of does its own thing. And one thing, it's not demonic possession. There's no Book of the Dead. It's just a vengeful ghost. Another thing, it doesn't take place in an isolated cabin in the woods. It's in a house, just like in the middle of town. There's apartment buildings next door. There's a graveyard across the street. It's, it's like, a, it's just a house kind of feels like you walk outside if the guy turned the camera to the right a little bit you see kids playing you you feel that if you panned around you would see like a normal neighborhood a normal japanese neighborhood there's a highway back there there's some shops down at the end of the street or some shit a couple rows of houses on the side of this hill i imagine it's one of those things for budget reasons they were like look my uncle has this old shitty house we can use it for free or we can spend every drop of our budget no guts no gore but we can rent this house out in the country from someone's grandparents for a weekend. How are we going to use our budget here? I thought, well, all right, let's just use the free house. Try to cut it as close as we can. Make it look slightly isolated. It was definitely not a cabin in the woods situation. And it's also not uh, in very bad shape. You keep saying, oh, the house is in disrepair. It looks fine. The house is fine inside. It's not like pristine, but it is not a condemned property. Move in ready. Grandma and grandpa died and we have like two weeks to film in this old house before uh, someone comes in and paints the walls and uh, tries to sell it. So uh, we got to get the shit done. (laughs) Hope you guys like corn syrup on everything because we are not cleaning this shit up when we leave. Basically, most of the movie happens in like two rooms and in the basement. They're just running up and down this hallway in this one room and then another room. They kind of run back and forth. It's a, it's a small house. It's a small house. Now, once again, unlike the Evil Dead movies, when you get to the basement, like in the Evil Dead movies, the basement is, is the cellar's a nightmare. Yeah. You, you, don't, you do not want to go down there. The basement in Body Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell might be the nicest room in the house. Yeah, everything's neatly organized. There's, <laughs> there's a shotgun sitting right there. And in fact, actually, I noticed it's the only room in the house that actually has stuff in it. There's stuff on the shelves, every other place totally empty he does mention earlier in the movie that he uses the basement of the of the house for storage oh uh, yeah He's, he was thinking of turning it into his into his gym the basement into his gym his yeah gym. that was like a weird establishing that's why there's stuff down there because i remember yeah. thinking okay well something big's gonna happen in the basement well he only winds up in the basement in the first place because he gets thrown down into the basement you never uh, see the basement before that point this is yeah. like you're the climax of the fucking movie and finally yeah. he, he gets thrown down in the basement it's like oh right i forgot my ghost dad told me to come down here and find my true weapon was it entity still in the psychic guy at that were they still fighting with the psychic guy and the muscle bodybuilder i feel like at that point what threw him down the stairs was the possessed mika but i'm not entirely sure yeah it was the possessed mika and then the corpse slurps blood and then the corpse comes up out of the ground the original dead lady so now there's two of them for a very short time there's like two possessed bodies which doesn't make any sense because how could the entity possess both of them i don't know whatever it doesn't matter well actually what happens is the the psychic gets possessed by the vengeful ghost and you see that necklace come out of his mouth and then go into his eye. And I don't know why oh, it does yeah. that. It was already in him. Why did it have to come out of him and go back in him so you could see it? I don't get I don't get that. He gets possessed and she confuses Shinny for his father because 
they fucking look identical and then all hell breaks loose they can't escape mika and uh, shini shini's father shows up as a ghost on a tv to drop a very convenient exposition dump tells his dear son all the horrible shit that went down and uh, i gotta say when uh, shini learns that his father is a murderer he takes it in stride He's, he doesn't seem too bothered by that oh yeah my dad killed a girl and buried her in the house oh Okay. I guess I understand at that point he's got other shit on his mind but I feel like at any point you learn that your father who you loved thought he was a good man but, oh yeah he murdered a, a woman and that's why you're in this situation hey dad uh, don't gloss over that what, what did you just say you murdered oh man we gotta have to talk about this we don't have time to deal with any heavy emotion because this movie's an hour long Shinny's dad tells him she possessed the psychic because the psychic being a psychic has power and she's using the psychic's power to trap them in the house and that if they kill the psychic if they destroy the psychic's body she will not have the power to trap them anymore and they can get the fuck out you have to go into the basement find your true weapon and defeat this woman that I murdered 30 years ago you have to finish this I'm sorry but I got it wrong and he goes away and that's it that's all you see of a dear old dad i just thought it was funny he was appearing to himself <laughs> talking to himself i don't remember if that was the part or before where she saw a picture or something but mika at some point is like wow you look a lot like him <laughs> I, are you fucking think and he doesn't say anything he just kind of shrugs it's so funny that he's supposed to be like the dumb muscly dude because he, <laughs> he doesn't very well but that's it's almost like he he doesn't know how to act but that's also how someone like that might act so it's not that big of a deal yeah it's almost believable just because it's like does this guy even know how to act that's something i can see some people might find a problem with but it was not a problem for me at all i was like well He's clearly just a fucking idiot. One of the most interesting effect shots in this movie, it's not a direct homage, but it is an homage to uh, Evil Dead 2, when uh, Shinny has the knife and stabs the psychic in the back of the head, and the knife blade pops out uh, the the psychic's right eye. The eye comes out on the end of the knife. When he Mm -hmm. pulls the knife back out, that pops the eye back into place. That's just, that's very clever. I'm sorry, that's good stuff. And then the eyeball is just back there like it was before. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> there's a little blood around it now yeah but it works oh, yeah. fine too uh she finally does i mean he finds a shotgun yeah and it's like in a box next to like some golf clubs and a cane or something <laughs> oh yeah he he does he literally says like i knew my yeah. dad was a gun enthusiast but i didn't think he had things like this and then just starts fucking blowing this corpse to pieces was the head still on the shovel lodged into the wall <laughs> yeah, yeah for the longest point, time Last like 15 the... minutes he dismembers the psychic with an axe. The pieces eventually come back together and, and form these bizarre combinations. The hand is attached by the wrist to the psychic's head, and it's hopping around. You have a foot attached to a hand that kicks the, him in the face several times. Doing, like, kick face maneuvers. It's Evil Dead right there with Ash getting attacked by his own hand. He's hitting himself in the head with dishes and shit. It's very clearly just a rubber hand that the actor, that Shinichi Fukuzawa, is just hitting himself with. That's all it is. And you can tell looking that's all it is. But it's funny. It's just this funny little ridiculous moment where he's hitting himself in the face with a foot attached to a hand it's got its own charm to it it's a guy who's just making something i don't even know if i can make this but fuck it i'm gonna do it 
I'm going to get some fucking rubber hands and feet, and I'm going to glue them together and cover them with makeup and fake blood. I'm going to slap myself in the face with them on camera. And I'm going to let people watch this eventually. That's the key. People are going to want to watch this. And they do. I tuned in to watch that. Eventually, he does blow up the psychic's torso. He has that uh, hairspray. Yeah, he pulls out his hairspray bottle, which, you know, today you could do that scene with an axe spray can. Basically, that's how big it was. Throws it next to the creepy flailing torso, whatever. And then it turns into like a claymation for a second. And then he grabs the shotgun and hits it. I like that that little hairspray can has enough explosive force in it to reduce the torso to mush it would fuck you up if you were a undead reanimated corpse it would incinerate you the torso got reduced to like fucking meat and so the meat just kind of wads back up together and then crawls into the the dead lady's skeleton under the floorboards and it looks like a fucking rubber dummy with like toxic avenger face it just kind of floats there and that's it. The hands look like big rubber hands. They don't, they don't look like real hands. None of it looks real. Why does it reanimate and look like a melted candle? I don't get it. Why didn't they just have the actor come back and put makeup on her and make her look fucked up? No, no, it's a big, dumb rubber monster thing. Look, it's it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a... They try. There's like weird ketchup-y visceral mask just kind of sliding around the house. Looks like a melting slushy half the yeah. time. Once the evil entity has possessed Mika, after the psychic has been blown to bits, basically. That's also when some pieces of the psychic fall through the floor and then the evil corpse somehow becomes reanimated. And so now there's two evil entities, but they're also the same. And that's the part that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't really matter because now there's like two evil things that are coming after him for a minute the meat wad crawls into the rib cage reanimate the fucking whatever parts that can find lying around at this point so shinny goes back into the basement to find his true weapon which guess what it's his muscles that's right he's been working out he's been cultivating mass and now it's time to harvest he sees all of his workout equipment barbell his dumbbells his weights all of his plates and he's like you know what this is it i mean look he's got an axe and a shotgun i think that should be his true weapon no he, he's got to use his muscles because that's the whole point he's a bodybuilder he's got to punch the demons or the, or the crazy monster lady and so he hulks out i mean literally that's a direct homage to the lou ferrigno incredible hulk transformation part of it was because it was like it was perfectly perforated that's when i was like oh look a lot like the way the hulk's clothes were on him well, after he, well yeah he, he even does the pose it's literally oh, yeah. just the lean, leaning forward with yeah. his arm i mean it's just a direct homage and it's a wonderful thing he brings up his weights to help fight the evil entity he takes one of the weight bars removes the clips from it and then turns it into a fucking crossbow very slowly pulls very... out his allen wrench very slowly <laughs> my dad had weights like that nowadays they have a little clip you fucking squeeze it and you can just pull it off back then the only way that you could get that shit solid so you were sure it wasn't gonna fall off was a little allen wrench and you turn this little key tighten that shit up and so he's looking over his shoulder for like a 30 second scene it's so fucking ridiculous and hilarious all of a sudden the entity is moving it inches per minute very patient <laughs> demonic entity and in that time he undoes one clip on one side pulls the weight off and does the other clip on the other side pulls that weight off takes the long fucking bar pulls off this thing he has slung around his chest like a bandolier turns it into bow and arrow somehow and shoots it right at the entity and it blasts right through its mouth and stabs into the wall 
Yeah, but then at the end, he pulls the shotgun and shoots it like 30 times. Yeah, it's like the shotgun was really the fucking thing the whole time. It wasn't your muscles, it was the shotgun. I didn't count, but I swear, he shoots like 20, 25 times. Mm -hmm. Which is impossible. Pumping and pulling the trigger a lot in that scene. Because I guess uh, Mika got possessed in the Evil Dead rules. You get wounded by a deadite and you can get possessed. And Mika got bitten by the psychic severed head. He sucks out the evil like he's sucking venom out of the snake bite. Spits a mouthful of grey Kool-Aid on the floor. And, <laughs> and then it. she's and then she's, she's fine. magically fine. Evil Dead had the balls to kill Linda. You know, right. he had to dismember his girlfriend. Fucking Shinny gets to suck the poison out of her and she's fine. But yeah, the mm-hmm. evil entity is finally dead. They get to leave the house. Then you see the evil woman's face in the door for a brief moment. And the movie ends. There is one spot between Mika and the reanimated corpse where the necklace that's supposed to be like the focus of the evil. I don't remember what happens. It falls back under the floorboards or something. It crawls under the floorboards. Something weird happens with it right at the end. For some reason, that detail escaped me. I was waiting for him to shoot it with the shotgun, smash it with a fucking weight or something. It fell or back under the floorboards. And that was when I was like, oh. Well, it's not over then. And then at the very end, one frame of the last scene where the window turns into the evil woman's face. <laughs> and then it ends. And then it ends. It's a real thing. It's a real you, thing. You texted me that title and I was like, you're full of shit. That's not a real thing. <laughs> no. I'd heard about this movie for years, but I could never see it. It basically didn't Because apparently it wasn't done. The details about how this movie was finished are all very sparse. We know it was filmed in 1995 on 8mm. It was not edited in 8mm. It was edited on standard definition video, and it looks like it was edited in standard definition video. I don't know if the actual film even exists anymore, so I don't know if there's a way to restore it. I don't know if if you could fix that even a little. After that, nothing really happened. It was shot over a period of time in 1995. Not all at once. It took time to film these sequences. These were hobbyists. Shinichi Fukuzawa was not a filmmaker. He's not in the film industry. He was doing this for fun because he loved the Evil Dead movies. He loved Evil Dead was like, I kind of want to do that. He took his inspiration because that's what Sam Raimi and, and his crew did. Fuck it, let's give this a shot. And they did. So he did the same thing. It's very DIY. These guys just put this shit together and it was finished basically through sheer willpower on the part of uh, Shinichi Fukuzawa because it took him almost 20 years, maybe 15 years to finish the movie. I think it was finally released in some form in 2012. He released it himself. I think he burned 100 DVDs. That was the initial release. That's how people could see it. And it finally started to get international releases. You get uh, an overseas DVD. Poor quality, obviously, because there's no such thing as a good quality version of this film, unfortunately. Finally, in 2022, Wild Eye releasing through their brand new, I guess you call it a sub-label, called Visual Vengeance, got the uh, North American rights to... And uh, they released it on Blu-ray. I believe it does feature an interview with the director. They also put it on Shudder. So you can watch it right now on Shudder. This legendary movie that a lot of people thought wasn't even a real thing. It is a real thing. And you can buy it on Blu-ray. And you can watch it on Shudder. And it's only an hour long. So you should do that. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's got, I mean, there's some direct, like, I mean, he says groovy when he kills the evil monster at the end. He says, goodbye, baby. He's trying to do the quips. They don't quite land. But you know what? Once again, this is a guy doing the shit on his own. He's not professionally trained at any of this. He's just a very enthusiastic young man who wants to make this shit work. 
And you can feel that enthusiasm throughout the entire movie. It's infectious. It's fun to watch. I just think it's it's a wonderful thing that this movie exists. It's a trifle, I guess, really. But it's not supposed to be anything more than that. It's not trying to be taken seriously. Shinichi Fukuzawa didn't use this as a springboard to greater success in the film industry. I don't think he really gives a shit. This is just something he wanted to make. And he made it happen. He got this thing out. It's in the world right now. You can buy it on fucking Blu-ray. You can watch it on Shutter. The world can enjoy the simple pleasures of bloody muscle bodybuilder. And I think that's great. I just think it's great that you can do that. You can watch this right now. A little movie that couldn't. It's an hour long. Oh, even if it sucks, you only wasted an hour. You didn't waste three fucking hours. It's not like you watched something long and boring. You watched something short and maybe boring. Although, you know what? I think if you're bored at any point watching this movie, that's on you. It, it never has the chance to be boring. Bloody bodybuilder wait bloody muscle bodybuilder from hell or in, in hell, hell in, hell, in yeah. hell it's pretty fun not high tech it's pretty low tech there's right. a bodybuilder covered in blood it's not lying about that bloody muscle bodybuilder. it's fucking brilliant that title is brilliant it is pretty funny people want to call it a japanese evil dead call it bloody muscle bodybuilder why would you not want to use that title? Why would you not want to say that? It's fucking nuts. But yeah, that's it. We talked about it. It's a lot of fun. You should watch it. It's an hour long. It's not a serious commitment. Because we have to fucking ask the question with every single thing we discuss, apparently. Does... A.K.A. A.K.A. Japanese Evil Dead belong in the Trapo Essentials canon? Is it essential? I don't think so. Part of me wants to say yes, but I mean, no. I mean, there's definitely a part of me that's like, well, it was a stupid fun movie. It didn't hit that bar of the Evil Dead. The Evil Dead has some fucking violence that catches you off guard. And you're like, oh, Jesus, sh- holy shit. Not think that was going to happen and things like that. Whereas this was working with what they had and shit like that, which is fine. It's entertaining, but it's not It's not on that level of, oh my God. It was entertaining for 68 minutes or 65 minutes or whatever, but... I'm not telling everyone I know to go watch this. I think it's worthwhile in its own right, but it just doesn't capture that kind of almost ephemeral magic that the Evil Dead trilogy has. I would recommend people watch it. I really would. I think it's fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. I endorse it. This is an endorsement from both of us, but we're, we just can't cross the finish line and put it in the canon. Yeah. What I would put in the canon is the fucking Evil Dead trilogy. They and, belong there. And I'm saying that now because, honestly, when the fuck are we going to talk about those movies we're not what's to say yeah probably not if you want uh, an analysis of those films there are a thousand sources for that analysis what are we gonna we're gonna add our own perspective my perspective is it's really good he chopped off his his hand he's good that's all i got so instead of trying to bullshit my way around an evil dead trilogy episode that would end up being very boring i'll just say those movies are fantastic and they belong in the fucking canon can we add source material is that what you're saying here i mean i guess they are the source material because this movie wouldn't exist without them like you know the evil dead trilogy is legendary of course it is that's why it's in the canon it's fun watch it not in the canon we're done talking about this movie this is the uh, the conclusion of our fantastic double feature went on way too long two eps in a short movie everything wraps up into a nice little package here that's true you could watch <laughs> listen to bloodline and the cia in less than two in hours less than two hours 
Fantastic. I guess what? Join the conversation, right? That's what we got to do, the call to action thing. Oh, sure. We got a blog, the official Chapel blog. We want to hear what you have to say about this music and this movie. Tell us what you think about this shit. Because we know you can listen to it. We know you can see it. It doesn't take a long time. We're not asking you to watch that Marilyn Monroe movie on Netflix. We want you to spend 15 minutes listening to Bloodline. Tell us about it. Please. T-R-A-P-P-O show.blogspot.com. Leave a comment. Tell us things. Leave suggestions for future episodes. Uh, you can send us an e- email. You probably will not. Show at gmail.com. T-R-A-P-P-O show at gmail.com. And uh, we want to hear what you got to say. I mean, we really do. That's not a joke. We literally have nothing better going on. Tell us. Tell us how you feel. That wasn't sarcasm. That was no. I mean, I know sometimes it's hard to tell, but that was dead serious. We want to know what you have to say, but because we know you're not going to, I think it's just time to wrap shit up and tell these dumb motherfuckers to get off the fucking <laughs> internet. <laughs> Okay. I'm not hanging up now, but... All right, but...